This morning we're going to be talking about the subject, joy. We just sang a song, Joy to the World. And we hear a lot about joy at this time of year. But I wonder how often we stop and really reflect on what joy is. What is joy? What does that word mean? Now, often we confuse the concept of joy with the concept of happiness. We just think about joy as being an elevated level of happiness. But when we really consider what that word joy means, we find that not only is joy not necessarily an elevated state of happiness, but it also is something that can be present even in the absence of happiness. And in fact, that's one of the things that the, the scriptures stress to us about joy. So we're going to think about that a little bit this morning. Because we want to consider the fact that, first of all, joy is a biblical word. The reason that we think about that word at this time of year, but throughout the year when we think about it, is because it is such a, a prominent concept in Scripture. The word joy, or rejoice, which is the expression of joy, appears more than 400 times in the Scripture, depending upon the translation that you're using. In the book of Psalms alone, the word joy, or rejoice, comes up a hundred times in the Psalms. And the Apostle Paul, particularly in the New Testament, mentions joy frequently in his writings. Which is interesting because when we think about it, Paul is often writing from prison. Or is writing under circumstances that we would understand to be very difficult or distressing. And yet, even in the midst of all of those things, Paul writes a lot about joy. Which again begins to make us think, well, maybe joy and happiness are not really the same thing. Joy appears in the teaching of Jesus. Not as frequently as we might think it does, actually. In fact, it's a word that Jesus doesn't use all that often. He uses it in the parable of the sower when he describes the seed that fell on rocky ground. And he, he interprets that figure as being someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But of course we know what happens to that seed, don't we? The seed that fell on the rocky ground. That even though it heard the word and received it with joy... It doesn't allow the seed to take root. And the seed withers and dies. So Jesus mentions joy, but not necessarily in the happiest of contexts. And he mentions it again in the parable of the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. That when a man found it, he hid it again. And in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Now there again, that seems like a happy thing. 
until we realize that Jesus is talking about himself in that parable. That he is the man who found treasure in a field, who would give everything that he had in order to buy it. And we know that Jesus paid the ultimate price to buy that field, that field being us. That he would give his life for that. And all of a sudden that joy doesn't sound all that happy, does it? Jesus speaks of joy in the parable of the lost sheep. He says, suppose one of you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully, there's that word, puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, there's that word. I have found my lost sheep. And again, there's the joy in the finding of the sheep. But it's in the context of the fact that the sheep was lost to begin with. And in fact, if it had not been found by the shepherd, might well have lost its life as a result of being lost and separated from the safety of the herd. So again, joy in a context in which we can see that there's a, 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 a not quite so happy element in the discussion of that. Jesus would speak about joy occurring in unhappy settings. In Luke, the sixth chapter, in the 22nd verse, he would say, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Here's one of the rare times when Jesus talks about joy. He says rejoice and leap for joy in the day when people hate you. In the day when people exclude you. And insult you. And reject you. That doesn't really sound like a happy thing, does it? That doesn't sound like a thing that would make us what we normally think of as joyful. Yay, people hate me! But Jesus says that is a cause for joy. When those things happen to you because of your devotion to the Son of Man. Again, joy not occurring in the happiest of circumstances. But what we learn from all of these things, when we really think about them, is that joy is not an emotional circumstance at all. The joy is not about how we feel. Joy is a spiritual condition. Paul illustrates this in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, 
when he writes, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Notice the juxtaposition of those two things. Paul says the Macedonian Christians were in the midst of a very severe trial and were in extreme poverty. Now, I don't know about everybody's circumstance in this room, but at least one of those things is probably applied to all of us at some point. Maybe you've been extremely poor at one time. But if you haven't, you almost certainly have endured some very severe trial if you've lived any, any length of time. And yet, Paul says in the midst of severe trial and in the midst of extreme poverty, the Christians of Macedonia experienced overflowing joy. Would we think that they were happy about being in the midst of a severe trial? I don't know about your trials, but I've never had one that made me happy. Most of the severe trials that I've experienced in my life were things that made me very sad indeed. And I can't think of anybody who would be happy about being in extreme poverty. I'm sure if we were to ask people today who are in extreme poverty, are you happy about this? None of them are going to say, absolutely. And yet, those unhappy circumstances for the Macedonian Christians did not preclude them from experiencing an overflowing of joy that resulted in rich generosity. Because Paul says, I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Here were people in the midst of severe trial, people who were extremely poor, but whose overflowing joy caused them, when they had an opportunity to give in the service of others, to not only give what Paul thought they could, but to give above and beyond that. Beyond what Paul thought their ability was. Because of that overflowing joy. And if we look at that, it's not hard to see. That couldn't have been an emotional circumstance. Because the emotion of their situation could not well have been happy at all. They were experiencing tough times. And yet, it was joy that motivated them to be generous in their giving even beyond what they were able. And that demonstrates to them that joy is not about emotion. It's not about how we feel, which is what happiness is. Happiness is a feeling. Joy 
is a spiritual condition. James drives this point home to us in James the first chapter in the second verse. When he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Uh, excuse me, James? <laughs> what was that? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds? I, I, I don't get that. But is that not what Jesus said? When they hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you and reject you because of me, what did he say? Consider that joy. And this is exactly what James is saying. When you face trials, consider it joy, knowing, he says, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Is the testing of our faith ever a happy thing? <laughs> no. Is having to learn perseverance ever a cheerful situation? I don't know about you, but it, it isn't for me. And yet, James says, that is pure joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We may not be happy in the midst of trial, but James says we can have joy. Because we understand the end result. Paul says a very similar thing in 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter in the sixth verse. He writes to the Christians in Thessalonica saying, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. With the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Again, joy is a spiritual condition, not an emotional one. Emotions come and go. You know, we can be happy one minute and sad the next, depending upon the circumstances that surround us. But because joy is a spiritual condition, we can have joy when we're happy, and we can have joy when we're sad. Because joy, true joy, is not something that's dependent upon how we feel in the moment. It's not dependent upon our emotions of the time. It is a spiritual condition that is found by looking beyond the immediate circumstance to the end result. To the end goal. Joy is something that can be spread. Paul would write to Philemon in the seventh verse of that letter, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you brother have refreshed 
the hearts of the Lord's people. The fact that Philemon was being helpful and encouraging to others brought joy and encouragement to Paul, even though Paul wasn't there. Even though Paul wasn't part of that experience. The fact that Philemon was being good to the Lord's people brought Paul joy, even though Paul was sitting in a prison cell. Hundreds of miles away. It still brought him joy to know that this good man was doing good to God's people. Philemon was spreading joy without even knowing he was doing it. Similarly, in John's third letter, 3 John, the third verse, the apostle writes, it gave me great joy. When some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth. Knowing that you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. John experienced joy. Because he heard about the fact that those that he had taught were continuing to be faithful in the truth that they had been given. In fact, John says that he had no greater joy than knowing that his children, and he doesn't mean literal children, he means those who are his children in the faith, those that he had taught and nurtured and encouraged in the truth, to know that they continued to walk in it he said, I have no greater joy than that. John knew that those spiritual children faced difficulties. He knew that they faced challenges. He knew that they endured hardships and trials as a result of their faith. But it brought him joy to know that in spite of all of these things, they continued to be faithful. They continued to walk in the truth. That brought John joy. It didn't bring him joy to know that they were suffering. It didn't make him happy to think about the fact that they were being persecuted. That they were being tested. That some of them perhaps were even being put to death because of the things that they believed. That didn't make John happy. But it gave him joy. That spiritual condition of looking beyond the immediate to the ultimate. It gave him joy to know that in spite of all of the things that were happening to them, they continued. To walk in the truth. Is that the end, Jay? I was going to say, I thought we had more slides there. I guess we don't. The conclusion then. When we think about joy, 
as we often do at this time of year. We sing and hear songs about joy. And we hear and see the message, joy to the world. And we often think about that as representing a certain level and kind of happiness. But let's understand from the scriptural perspective that joy is not about emotion. That joy is not about happiness. That joy really has nothing to do with how we feel in the midst of a situation. To understand that joy is a spiritual condition. To understand that joy is that which enables us to see the greatness of God in the midst of the darkness of the world. The Hebrew writer tells us that Jesus, I thought we had a slide that said this, but I guess we don't, that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did it make Jesus happy to go to the cross? We know that it didn't. We see him the night before in the garden, weeping and praying. So anguished that those who, who saw him in the midst of that ordeal would have perceived the sweat pouring from his face Almost as though it were blood dripping down. So profuse was the sweat. We know it didn't make him happy. Father, if it, if, if it can be, let this cup pass from me. There was no happiness for Jesus in going to the cross. And yet the writer of Hebrews tells us that there was joy. For Jesus in going to the cross because he looked beyond the immediate to the ultimate he looked beyond the 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 pain and the suffering of the moment to the ultimate benefit that would be brought by his death on the cross which is salvation from sin and eternal life for all of us no, it wasn't a happy time, but it was a time of joy. And so when we reflect upon that, let's us think about the fact that because of the love of God, we can have joy in any situation. And that that joy is something that we can share with others. That we don't have to be happy all the time. In fact, it's okay for us not to be happy all the time. When we look at the life of Jesus, he certainly wasn't happy all the time. Here's an interesting fact, by the way. This is just a bonus point. There is nothing in the, in the four New Testament Gospels that ever tells us that Jesus smiled. Not a single passage of scripture ever mentions Jesus smiling. We have three occasions on which he wept, but not a single one 
in which he smiled. That's not to say he didn't, but it's never recorded for us. Just an interesting find. Jesus had unhappy times, and yet he was the epitome of joy because he knew why he had come. He knew what the ultimate benefit of his life, his death, his sacrifice was going to be. And as a result of that, he could find joy. Even in the most horrific circumstance that we can imagine, the, the death by crucifixion, we're told that he found joy in that. Enduring that experience because of what was to come. And if we learn anything from Jesus, we learn example. And his example demonstrates to us that even in the unhappiest of times, we can have joy if we trust in God, if we persist in walking in his ways and embracing his love for us. That even when we're unhappy, we can have that spiritual joy within us. And that that joy, like the joy that Philemon shared with Paul, like the joy that the Thessalonian Christians were sharing with others, even in the midst of their distress, like the joy that the Macedonian Christians shared in the midst of their deep trial and their extreme poverty, that joy is something that we can share with others. And let that be the message of joy to the world. That joy to the world is recognizing that joy has been brought to us through the person of Christ who embodies God's love for us. And it becomes then our challenge to share our joy with the world by demonstrating the person of Christ in everything that we do. That's your message. Merry Christmas.